0: to the, the cross, cross where your love pours. Please have a seat. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we begin our Ghost of Christmas series, uh, patterned pretty loosely after the the three Ghosts of Christmas and Charles Dickens' classic story, A Christmas Carol, the Ghost of Christmas Past, Christmas Present, and Christmas Future. For the next few weeks, we will be exploring how the birth of Jesus Christ into this world as a human being has had an eternal impact on each one of us personally, on our past, our present, and our future. Today we stare down the ghost of Christmas past. As we begin to do that, I'd like to share with you the stories of three people that I've come to know fairly well over the years and now consider to be good friends of mine. Uh, The first is Zach. Now, growing up, we all knew that Zach was going to be pretty successful. He wasn't a bad guy at heart, but when he got out of school, he got sucked into the rat race, and and he figured out that he was actually pretty good at it. He climbed the corporate ladder, stepping on people's hands and and heads along the way. He made lots of money, but uh, it was all at the expense of others, cheating his clients, taking advantage of every loophole in the system using dishonesty and, and fraud to, uh, to buy himself a nice house and car to pad his 401k. But for all of this success that Zach had, that gave him such a big head, sometimes he felt incredibly small. And he had this nagging feeling that uh, he was dangerously close to destroying himself if he wasn't too late already. Then there was my friend Pete. Pete. Now, Pete was headstrong. He was a guy who had a lot of heart, but sometimes let his big mouth get in the way. Uh, Perhaps you know somebody like that. Perhaps uh, maybe even some of you are somebody like that. I don't know. Unlike Zach, Pete was not really the smartest guy. He never got good grades in school, but uh, when he got out, he made a decent living working with his hands. He knew he was never going to be upper class or anything like that, but he got by. He provided for his family. Generally, he had the respect of his peers life had its ups and downs but overall Pete felt pretty good about things but one day Pete really screwed up he did something unthinkable to one of his closest friends that he feared he would never ever be able to undo or make right again he had completely disowned himself at his very core and ever since he had this sick sensation in the pit of his stomach that incessantly reminded him that there was no going back And there was this girl. Nobody back then really knew her name, but everybody knew something about her. The stories had circulated time and time again of the things that she had done with guys and the things that she had let guys do to her. Unlike Pete, she had the respect of no one. People avoided her like the plague. Her loose lifestyle was an open secret, one that that people would whisper loudly to one another whenever she passed by. Some people called her a prostitute. Some called her worse. She never went to church because she knew what people thought of her. She knew that she would never be welcome there. But what hurt the most was that so much of what people said about her was inescapably true. Every day she wondered if if there could ever be any hope for someone like her. All three of these friends of mine struggled deeply with their past. All three had done things that many would consider unforgivable, Certainly they did. Past the point of no return, they found themselves in a prison of their own making with no escape. Now, do any of their stories hit a little too close to home for you? Have you ever found yourself in a place like Zach where you suddenly realize that everything you've done, you've done for yourself and hurt others along the way? Have you ever been in Pete's shoes, turning your back on a friend and in doing so, betraying yourself? Have you ever felt like that girl with a soiled reputation, having done things you never thought you would do? Have you ever felt like a pariah, an outcast, a social leper because of the things in your past? Maybe that's exactly where you are. Maybe you've struggled with or are struggling with a secret sin that seems to have a death grip on you. Others can't see it, but deep inside your soul is suffocated by shame and it hurts to even think about it. Our past can haunt us like a ghost, just when we think we've broken free waves of regret and shame and searing emotional pain wash over us. Our own conscience can be our our biggest enemy, our strongest accuser, one that that this guy whose name means accuser, Satan, uses to devastating effect, something that we can never escape on our own because it is of our own making. In A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge learns this the hard way when the ghost of Christmas past shows him what his greedy, miser-like ways have done to him and to others. Please, Spirit, I can no longer bear these memories. Take me home. Remember, Scrooge, you fashioned these memories yourself. 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 I'd imagine that some of us here today might feel the same way, burdened by the overwhelming weight of our past, Maybe you find it hard to believe Paul when he says that he is the worst of sinners because you know deep in your blackened heart that you are. You keep asking yourself, will God really forgive me? Will God really forgive me again and again? You find yourself there right beside the Pharisees at the table asking incredulously, who is this who even forgives sins? Can he really do that? Would he? Really? Yes. If that is you today, know this, there is a sure and certain hope. There is forgiveness and rescue, and we're going to get there in just a moment. But it's possible that that some of us here today just don't really relate with the feelings of, of deep regret and shame and all of that. Now, that might be okay. That might mean you have a a healthy relationship with God where you're taking your sins to him and having him wipe them clean. But but you also might sometimes have a different problem altogether, one that's perhaps much more dangerous. This is one that I see in myself sometimes, and, and it is the problem of a numb and desensitized conscience. We human beings can be sly and crafty creatures. As quickly as we slither our way into trouble, we convince ourselves that we can wiggle ourselves out. As well. Not really, of course, but we can be masters of self deception. The greatest of all prisons is the one where the prisoners deny or aren't even aware that they're being held captive. Whether we know it or not, our sin traps us in, and any escape that we think we have found on our own just gets us further ensnared, like trying to pull yourself out of one of those Chinese finger traps no matter how much we try to to ignore or run from our sins they will eventually catch up to us as much as we try to leave it behind the past can still hurt us as we all were taught by the wise baboon rafiki and the lion king I know what i have to do but going back means i'll have to face my past i've been running from it for so long ow jeez what was that for it doesn't matter it's in the past <laughs> Yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. You ever feel like doing that to somebody? <laughs> you know, thank God for people or baboons like Rafiki. Thank God for, as they're called in the Old Testament, the prophets. The prophets were called to people with a shameful past, and their mission was to beat them over the head in some ways. To reveal to them the chains and the shackles and the iron bars that held God's people hostage. And then, and especially this, to make plain to them the only way out. And so Ezekiel says, From the Lord, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. God shows us this profound mercy of completely destroying us and reducing us to a broken mess. He does this so that he can remake us, putting flesh and blood where there was once only cold stone. Paul echoes this invigorating statement of of new life when he says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? What? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is a rock-solid promise for every single person suffering from a colored past or from a stone-cold, sin-encrusted heart. In other words, this is a promise for every single one of us. And so whether you've come here today saddled with crushing guilt or needing to be reminded of your need for Him, God wants you to know something today. And that is that when it comes to your sin, God has a severe memory problem. In actuality, it's, it's not a problem at all, of course. Again, we turn to the prophets from the Old Testament that we read earlier. We hear again God's declaration to us through Jeremiah, where he says about us wretched sinners, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And in the prophet Isaiah, God addresses us directly, leaving no room for misunderstanding. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. God remembers your name. God knows you intimately. He has forgotten your sin. The omniscient, all-knowing God has sworn to know nothing of the sins of your past. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ was born one Christmas past, about 2,000 years past. Jesus was born into human history, into the gloom of a cold Bethlehem night, born right into the middle of the darkness of our own sinful world to completely and utterly erase the darkness of our past to nullify and render void and powerless anything in our past that would keep us from him and from one another. The fact is, Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, has redeemed you, a lost and condemned creature. He has purchased And won you from all of your sins, not with gold or silver, not with the American dollar or the euro or a target gift card, but with his holy, precious, innocent blood. You are his new and glorious creation. You who were once unrighteous, guilty, and cursed, now have the privilege of serving him in eternal righteousness, innocence, and blessedness because he was made incarnate for you. He died for you. He rose from the dead For you, he laid himself down to raise the broken ones to life. Now in your past, you were dead to sin. But the God who himself killed death now says that your past is dead and gone. There is now no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus and he has made you alive forever. He loves you and has forgiven you yeah I know he loves the whole world he he forgives the whole world their sins he he loves the the person sitting next to you right now, but I want you to hear this today God loves you God has forgiven you so let's go back to my three friends that I mentioned at the beginning of the message. Um, Now I have to admit, I I took a few liberties in telling their stories in an attempt uh, not to make it painstakingly obvious who they are because actually you might know them too. Uh, Zach's full name is Zacchaeus, the famously wee little man whose heart broke over how he had cheated so many people to the point where he repaid them four times over. You see, Jesus came and cut him free from the branches of sin in which he had entangled himself, and shook him down from that lofty tree of corruption that he had climbed, shaking up his whole life and making everything brand new. If you haven't guessed already, Pete is Peter, that bull headed disciple of Jesus who had denied him three times. Now when you and I hear a rooster crow, we, we try to go back to sleep or, or we get hungry for bacon and eggs every time that Peter heard that rooster crow after that fateful night, his heart returned to the darkest hour of his life and wept within his chest until Jesus restored him by allowing him to express his love for his risen Savior three times, one for each denial, and then made his calling brand new by saying once again, Peter, follow me. And that unnamed girl I told you about, we read about her in Luke 7 today. She knew she had no business being among holy people like the Pharisees, but that didn't stop her from groveling at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her tears of sorrow over her own sin. For this, Jesus decrees that her many sins are forgiven. Her great love for her Savior puts the holy Pharisees to shame. And in fact, our own Lutheran confessions lift up her act of love and faith as one of the purest forms of worship expressed in all of Scripture. All three of these people learned that when you meet Jesus, your past doesn't matter anymore. When you meet Jesus, your past doesn't matter anymore. These people are also shining examples to us of what it means to experience two very important ways that God shows his great love toward us. Those two two things are mercy and grace. They're defined for you in your sermon notes for today. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. In his great mercy, God has withheld from us the eternal punishment we deserved because Jesus suffered God's wrath for us. By his grace, God gives us the free gift of eternal life. As those of you who took my Christianity 101 class probably remember, grace means what? Free. Grace means free. It literally means free. This life and love that God gives to us is freely given through no merit of our own. Through Jesus, God has not dealt with us according to our sins, but he has removed them from us as far as the east is from the west. For you mathematicians out there, it's kind of like an asymptote on a graph. No matter how close our sins feel, they can never touch us again. And so as Jesus said to that repentant woman, so he says to us today, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. As we do that, I want to leave you with one final, incredible promise of forgiveness from God. It's printed for you in your sermon notes. It's also up on the screen. Let's read this together. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. In the name of the one who has done just that, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.